Um, I know it's I know it's late, and so surely they. I'm sorry, I, Brother Benny's preaching next Sunday, uh, so I, um, I'm going to have to preach this or die today. So uh, turn to the book of Ezra, and I'll I'll try to be brief. Um, Ezra chapter number nine. Appreciate the one on the altar. Um, I thought a while ago, as everything was going on, we had some praying. Uh, some seeking, one singing. And you know to the world that seems like chaos. Uh, but in the in the church of the living God, it's just right. It's just right. You see, God can direct her song where it needed to be, his prayer where it needed to be, and her prayer where it needs to be. And 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 we the day of Pentecost, the Bible said they all heard in their own language. And so it's not chaos. Uh, when it's true worship. Uh, we, we say, as missionary Baptists, we don't have any forms, but, but we really do, if we're honest. We really do. We just don't print it out or a program. Um, sometimes it's good to have a little chaos. Not, not in an ungodly way, but in other words, while I'm preaching, she could stand up, and I hope she'll interrupt me and tell me she got saved. Um, and as I'm preaching, I've seen people run to the altar during the preaching. It's not chaos, it's just right uh, when it's in the right spirit. And I'm thankful for what I've been able to feel here this morning already. Thankful that God has passed by and stirred my soul. Thankful for, um, thankful for that knowledge that I know, that I know, that I know I've been born again. The Bible says there's a spirit you shall know by the Spirit that I give you. I'm glad I have that Spirit. Um, the book of Ezra chapter number 9, I do need your prayers. Um, and I'm going to read the whole thing and I'll try to be brief. It says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle, and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and set down a stone. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I set atoned until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O oh my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to Thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and her trespasses grown up into the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have, have we been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our princes, been delivered into the hands of the kings of the lands, to the sword and to captivity, and to a spoil and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape 
and to give us a nail in this holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but He hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God, and to repair the desolations thereof, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. And now, O Lord our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments, which thou hast commanded by the servants the prophets, saying, The land unto which ye go to possess it is an unclean land with the filthiness of the people of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to the other uncleanly, with their uncleanliness. Now therefore give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters to your sons, nor seek their peace or their wealth forever, that ye may be strong and eat the good of the land. And leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our trespass, seeing that thou, our God, has punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and hath given us such a deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join affinity with the people of those abominations? Wouldst thou not be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous, for we remain yet escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses, for we cannot stand before thee because of this. I begin reading this week, actually, in the book of Isaiah. Now did you make it through the first chapter um, until it came to a spot when uh, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 119, and he said, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And I'll try to be brief. I, I realize people have obligations. There's some funerals, and if you have to leave, you won't bother me. Um, but I need to preach this this morning. And he was talking about if you'll just be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And I got to thinking about that. What exactly is the good of the land? And then I got to thinking about how the Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I've thought about so many times these that as far as we know are lost, they they don't know what the good of the land is. And, and Ezra, uh, the, the book of Ezra is uh, starting out with such great hope. They had been in bondage uh, uh, for 70 years. Uh, and the end of Chronicles ends and then this begins. Uh, it said there rose up a king of Persia and God put into his heart named Cyrus, a Gentile, who didn't know the Lord, but he put it into his heart. I'm so glad God can turn the hands of kings and queens. And he put it into his heart to give the Jews, give those Hebrews a leave to go back to their homeland, to get back to their home country, and to build again the house of God. Uh, that Nebuchadnezzar uh, had seized and stolen all the gold and all the vessels out uh, and destroyed that place. Uh, and so the Hebrews went back in the earlier chapters about 40,000 or so uh, made the journey uh, back to Jerusalem and they began uh, to build an altar unto their God. Uh, and then they began 
begin to build the foundation of a new temple. Uh, and, and the Bible actually says that, uh, that the old timers uh, uh, that saw the glory of Solomon's temple in all of its splendor and all of its beauty, uh, they remembered what the former house was like. Uh, and the Bible said they wept. Uh, and those who had never seen it, uh, they wept. Uh, and the Bible says you couldn't tell uh, the mourners from those that were rejoicing. I've been in services like that uh, where the altar is so full and you don't know the sinner from the saint. Everybody's just crying out under God above. And so, and so they and they built the foundation, but then opposition came, as it always does. And they stopped, and a lot of years went by, and that foundation just sat there. And then after a lot of years, they finally have people like Haggai begin to prophesy and say, Why should you dwell in your sealed houses, and the house of God lies in waste? And he prophesied to them. He encouraged them that you need to build the house. I want to encourage you, Lafayette, a missionary Baptist church, that you need to build the house of God. And you need to build it. And I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about in your prayers. And lift it up. I think so many times about this. And Ezra, the Bible said it took him four months after all these years that went by. Ezra, the scribe, and coming from the line of priests out of the lineage of Aaron, I believe. Ezra the scribe went, and for four months he was on his journey. And for four months he made his journey with hope, knowing he was going to go back unto a land. And he was going to teach them about the God of heaven. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he couldn't wait to get there. And then when he got there, it was altogether different than what he thought it would be. He thought like I think, like you would think, that a people that had been in bondage for such a long time, for 70 years, carried out of their place because of their sin, they were carried away and they were consumed and they were defeated. And then so you would think, after you get out of that, Surely there'll be a mind that we're never going back to that place again. Surely in their mind. But Ezra got there and he found out that it wasn't like that at all. They said the people of these lands, the princes and the kings and the priests and the rulers, they've all taken up with the people of this land. How sad that is. I got news for you, church, that God called you out of this world to be separated from all of its from all of its devices. And so we don't need to get mixed up in things. Now God had forbidden intermarriage because He said in the Old Testament, in the Book of Moses, He in the writings of Moses, rather, He said, "You shall not marry their sons or their daughters." And He had a reason for that. It wasn't because God didn't love those people. He said, "They will take you away, and they will cause your heart to serve other gods." And so He. He gave that warning. And they did it anyway. And Ezra, the Bible said, he said they came to him and he said they told me all of these things. And he said I was just astonished. And he said I just sat astonished. And they had two sacrifices a day 
under the old law of Moses. And I believe from the time, probably at the morning sacrifice, is when they told him these things. And the Bible said, he sat down and he began to weep and he plucked off the hair of his head and of his beard and he ripped his garment and torn him and he sat there just astonished. Can I tell you, if you take a hard, honest look at this world, you will be astonished. If you take a long, hard look at the sins that we are committing, what do you mean, preacher, we? I have no part of that. Well, guess what? Ezra was nowhere near these people when they committed that sin. Yet he said, we. We're in this, folks. Whether you're the one sinning or not, we're all living in this. And so Ezra, like Daniel before or after him, he began to pray. He said, I sat astonished from the morning to the evening. And he said, at the evening I rose up. And he said, I gathered people. He said, people that wanted to hear the Word of God, who loved the Word of God, how they gathered themselves around me. I thought, isn't that a glorious thing? How when people gather around to hear what God has to say. And so they sat there and he went. And then the Bible begins to say, he began to pray at the evening sacrifice. He said, I'm ashamed. Our posture in prayer the way we've been taught is to bow your head and maybe fold your hands. But in the Old Testament, if you get to really studying that, you know how they prayed. And sometimes they didn't fall on their knees. Sometimes they did. And Ezra fell to his knees and spread both hands out toward heaven. And most of the time they would lift up their head and begin to talk and begin to pray. And Ezra said, I can't do that. He said, I am ashamed to even lift my face up because of our sins. There's a scripture in Psalms 38 and 4, and it said, My sins and my iniquities are too heavy for me to bear. Are you under that weight of sin today? Are they so heavy? that you cannot carry them. And my friends, i got news for you. You cannot carry them. And so, so what do you do with them? You've got to shed them. You've got to get rid of them. You've got to get them off of you. There is one that will take them all. And His name is Jesus. And He is Savior. And so Ezra began to pray. He said, Lord, I've been there. I've sinned, and I knew I've sinned, and I was ashamed and blessed had to even lift out my prayer to a holy God. And that's the shape Ezra was in. He said, I can't even lift up my face. I'm so ashamed. He said, since the days of our fathers have we been in a great trespass as it is unto this day. But he began to see the rulers and the kings committing these abominations. And you know what he said? He said, we were bondmen in the land. And we were bondmen in that foreign land. But he said, thank you for giving us a nail in this holy place. I thought of that. And I thought about how this church, it was four years ago this week, I came here for the very first time. I'm not knowing a soul, but knowing 100% in my heart I was going to be your pastor. How did you know that, brother? Well, it wasn't knowledge for me. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I thought so much of myself. If you really want to know most of the time, I don't like me. That's the truth. Because I know what I am. I love myself, don't get me wrong, but I don't always like myself. 
So it wasn't, a, it wasn't my knowledge or wisdom. But that came down from God in heaven. And I knew I was going to be here. And I thought about this this week. And I thought, thank God for giving me a little nail in this holy church. In this holy place. And do you realize what a great thing that is? We were talking in Sunday school about churches that, that used to be on fire for God. They had closed and boarded up the doors. How sad that is. How does that happen? It happens when God's people mingle themselves with the things of this world. That's what happens there. And that's what's happening today. And so there will be more churches close their doors. You say, preacher, we're too big. It'll never happen here. Oh, don't you ever say that. And maybe the doors will be open. But I want to know in 50 or 75 or 100 years from now, will the true gospel be going out in this place? Will it? I realize there's a great responsibility laid upon us as men and women of God. He said, Lord, You've given us a nail in Your holy place. Can I tell you, that's all He was looking for. Just give me a foothold. Sometimes I've been there. God, just give me something. And He said, I've got a nail in this holy place. But then He said, He said, You shall eat the good of the land. And then He said, And leave it for an inheritance. For your children. Now I've thought about that. The good of the land. Sinner friend this morning, I want you to eat the good of the land. The world will offer you all kinds of deities, all kinds of things to eat, all manner of sin that you can stack your plate as high as the heavens. But my friend, if you ever one time taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll understand all of that other stuff is just garbage. If it ever one time it ever enters into the soul of man. Uh, the price uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ paid uh, when He hanged there between heaven and earth and bled and cried and died for you, you'll love Him more than you ever have. You see, Satan keeps that from entering into the heart. He has his ways that he can pluck the words out of the air without them lodging in your heart. Oh, I'd be praying to God that He'd deal with me if I was lost and undone this morning. You see, the first thing you have to acknowledge is that you are a sinner. Until you realize that you are a sinner, you will never be saved. You can't be. So, you must first realize that. But I thought about that inheritance. I thought about a man named Elisha one day, and I'll try to hurry through this. But a man named Elisha one day, it was such a hard time. I'm afraid we've got hard times coming. I've said that for a while. Eggs are almost a dollar a piece now. I don't know if you've noticed that. We went to the grocery store the other day and just got regular groceries, and it's over $200. And it wasn't anything real big. But I'm telling you, hard time. People are struggling right now. They really are. But there was a time in Israel that it was so bad that Samaria had besieged Israel, had besieged Jerusalem. And they were they were just camped out. And they wouldn't let the Hebrews out. And so they couldn't go out and get food. And food got scarce. Food got so scarce 
it said that, that an ass's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver. And a fourth part of calves' dung, of a, a bird's dung, was sold. That's how bad, that's hard times. But you know what, I, it was so bad that, that I'll tell you what men and women were doing. It's Bible. Women were boiling their sons and eating their children. Think about that. That's hard times. That's, that's abominations. That's going up the sins of this. I'm telling you, when a man gets hungry, preacher, I'll never take the mark of the beast when you get hungry. You know, If you've not got Jesus, you will take it. But in any case, uh, the times were hard. And, I, and a man named Elisha began to prophesy. He said, at this time tomorrow, uh, that a measure of fine wheat shall be sold for a shekel. In other words, food is going to be plenteous. And as he said that, the hand of the king was there. And he said, that's impossible. He said, if the Lord would open up the windows of heaven, might such a thing be... In other words, if you had said in a month from now, see, Elisha had already proved himself as a man of God. He had already cured Naaman's leprosy. He had already, he had already healed the widow woman's son and brought him back to life. He had already helped the widow woman get out of debt. He had already done all these things. So, so what he said had power, but this man, he just wouldn't believe. You see, the sin of unbelief is a very, very grievous sin. The sin of unbelief births every other sin, in my opinion. It does. And so this man probably thought if you'd said in a month or two, I will not believe. But he said, you cannot do this in one day. I'm telling you the truth. God could save a dozen right here today. And it would be nothing for him to do that. He has power. But the hand of the king would not believe. And Elisha looked at him and he said, My friend, you will see this, but you will never eat it and never taste it. And I thought, how sad, how sad that people have grown up in this place and you've seen the good of the land. You've seen salvation. You've seen rejoicing. You've seen we serve a God that answers prayer. But you've never tasted it. I want you to taste the good of the land. And so, the Bible says that there were lepers. And they sat there at the gate. And I said, I'd hurry. And I'm sorry. I really am. They sat there at the gate. And they said, if we just keep sitting here, we're going to die. And he said, if we go into the city, the famine's there and we're going to die. He said, why don't we fall into the host of the Syrians? And if they kill us, guess what? And we're only going to die. We have no other option. And those lepers went out and they went to the camp of the Syrians and they found it empty. Empty of men and women. But all their possessions were still there. That's a strange thing. What happened to them? The Bible says, you think Elisha wasn't a man of God? The Bible says that during the night God caused the whole band of the Syrian army to hear a great noise and they said Egypt is coming for us and they all fled and they left everything. Left all their possessions, all their food, all their horses and they just took off. 
And those lepers got that food and they had clothes and gold and they went and hid it. And they went and grabbed some more and they went and hid it. And then they said, we're not doing the right thing. We're not doing the right thing. Others are hungry. Let me tell you something, church. As saved men and women, I want you to understand today that you might be okay with God. These are There are those around you who are not. They're hungry. They need to be fed. And so we need to keep them on our heart. And these lepers went back and they got word to the king. And the king said, that's a trick and that's a trap. And they said, just send me an act. What's it going to hurt? Send a few men out and then report. And they did. And they came back and they said, Oh King, we found the camps and we found the, we found the food and the money and their clothes, but they're gone. And so they brought that whole band of food back into the gate of Samaria. Now keep in mind, these people were hungry. And the hand of the king was in charge of the gate. Guess what happened to him? He saw that great big wagon. He saw the food. He saw the gold. He saw the goodness of God. What happened? Remember now, Elisha said, you're going to see it, but you will never taste it. He saw that they were coming in the gate, but the people were so hungry that they trod upon the gate smashed him down, and killed him dead. So he saw it, but he never tasted it. Oh, sinner friend, you saw it. You saw it here. You never tasted it. It's good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Church, we have an inheritance. Ezra said that we're going to leave our children. I would ask you, what are you leaving them? I'm not talking about earthly things. They'll get enough of that on their own. I'm talking about doctrine. I'm talking about things of God. I'm talking about eternal things. It said, they will eat the good of the land and you will give that as an inheritance. Church, we're eating the good of the land. I don't know about you, I feasted this morning in this worship service. I feasted during the testimonies. I feasted during the songs. That's what I want to leave for these children. So that in the days to come, when I'm dead and gone, and you're dead and gone, and we're all in the grave, they will know the God that we serve. You see, it's so important. We think about, I'm not qualified for life insurance. I I literally have nothing to pass along but debt. Physically. It's all I've got. But I've got something in my soul that I want every man, woman, and child to know that I've been born again. That one day after a while, I'm going to a country where we'll never die. That's the inheritance I want them to have. I want them not to just know of God. I want them to know Jesus Christ in a free pardon of sin. You see, there's a gospel and a doctrine today that just says, well, just make a choice, make a decision. Well, you do have a choice, but that's not salvation. But maybe God has saved you. Maybe He has. Maybe you're confused. Maybe something's happened and you're just not trusting it. 
I don't know what you're expecting it to be, but it's really just peace with God. That's really all that it is. And so, so maybe, maybe you saw it, but you've never tasted it. If you've ever been saved, you will never taste it until you tell it. You understand that? You will never know how good it is until you tell it. I encourage you today that there's been a change. If you've been touched by the Spirit of God, trust that. Trust Him and trust His blood and eat the good of the land. That's all I've got for you. don't know why. I simply had to preach it, but it was for a purpose. Come ahead with a song or prayer, whatever you want to do.